Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Planning Commission regular hearing for Thursday, February 15th, 2024. When we reach the item you are interested in speaking to, we ask that you line up on the screen side of the room or to your right. Each speaker will be allowed up to three minutes and when you have 30 seconds remaining, you will hear a chime indicating your time is almost up. When your allotted time is reached, I will announce that your time is up and take the next person queued to speak. Please speak clearly and slowly, and if you care to, state your name for the record. Finally, I'll ask that we silence any mobile devices that may sound off during these proceedings. And at this time, I, would take, I will take roll. Commission President mm. Diamond. Here. Commission Vice President Moore. Here. Commissioner Braun. Here. Commissioner Imperial. Here. Commissioner Koppel. Here. We expect Commissioner Ruiz to be absent today. First on your agenda, Commissioners, is consideration of items proposed for continuance. Item one, case number 2023-011077 PCA for the citywide expansion of allowable commercial restaurant and retail uses planning code amendments is proposed for continuance to February 22nd, 2024. Further, Commissioners, under your discretionary review calendar, item 10, case number 2022-000438 DRP for 320 Frederick Street. A discretionary review is proposed for continuance to March 14th, 2024. I have no other items proposed for continuance, so we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the Commission on the items proposed for continuance, only on the matter of continuance. Again, you need to come forward. Seeing none, public comment is closed and your continuance calendar is now before you, Commissioners. Commissioner Braun. Uh, move to continue items one and 10. Second. Second. Thank you, Commissioners. On that motion to continue items as proposed, Commissioner Braun. Aye. Commissioner Imperial. Aye. Commissioner Koppel. Aye. Commissioner Moore. Aye. And Commission President Diamond. Aye. So move, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero and place us under your consent calendar. All matters listed here under constituted consent calendar are, are considered to be routine by the Planning Commission and may be acted upon by a single roll call vote. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the Commission, the public or staff so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item at this or a future hearing. Items 2A and B for case numbers 2023-004486SHD and Seaway for the property at 30 Otis Street, adoption of shadow findings and conditional use authorization. We've received a request from Commissioner Imperial to remove this from the consent calendar, and so we will take the, that matter under the regular calendar. Leaving item three, case number 2023-007557-CUA at 2310 Fillmore Street, conditional use authorization. And my understanding is that Commission President Diamond will be recusing herself from this item. Uh, leaving it to you, members of the public, to request that Fillmore Street be removed from the consent calendar. You need to come forward. Seeing none, public comment on the consent calendar is closed, and it is now before you, Commissioners. Uh, commissioners, I own some Citibank bonds, so on advice of the City Attorney, I need to recuse myself from this particular item, which deals with Citibank um, and formula retail.
Commissioner Koppel. Uh, move to approve item three. Second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion to approve item three. M Mr. Iona, do they need to vote to recuse me first? Or it's an economic matter and it's not I think required. it's a financial conflict. I don't think there's anything to vote on. Okay, thank you. Um, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. And Commissioner Moore? Aye. So move, commissioners, that motion passes four to zero, placing us under commission matters, item four, the land acknowledgement. I'll be reading the land acknowledgement today. Um, the commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all people who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Thank you. Item five, consideration of adoption draft minutes for February 1st, 2024. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on their minutes. Seeing none, public comment is closed and your minutes are now before you, Commissioners. Commissioner Imperial. Move to adopt the minutes. Second. Thank you, Commissioners, on that motion to adopt the minutes. Commissioner Braun. Aye. Commissioner Imperial. Aye. Commissioner Koppel. Aye. Commissioner Moore. Aye. Commission President Diamond. Aye. So move, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero. Item six, Commission comments and questions. There are no comments or questions from the commissioners. We can move on to department matters. Item seven, director's announcements. Good afternoon, commissioners. Nothing from me. Item eight, review of past events at the Board of Supervisors, Board of Appeals. There was no Historic Preservation Commission meeting yesterday. Good afternoon, commissioners. Audrey Maloney for Aaron Starr, who is out today. We had a busy week at land use. Uh, there were two landmarks designations. The first was the Grand Theater at 2665 Mission Street. Uh, this landmarking was introduced by Supervisor Ronan and unanimously approved by the Historic Preservation Commission on November 15th of last year. The building was designed by G. Albert Landsborough and S. Charles Lee in 1940 and is significant for association with the city's network of neighborhood theaters and as an, exa an excellent example of the streamlined modern style. The committee voted unanimously to forward the landmarking on to the full board with a positive recommendation. The second landmarking at committee this week was for the Sacred Heart Parish Complex. This was initiated by the HPC and unanimously recommended by them on September 9th of last year. This item was conti continued to the February 29th hearing because Supervisor Peskin stated he would like to draft unspecified amendments to the ordinance. It was also a very busy week at land use for proposed ordinances that would amend the planning code. The Family Housing Opportunity SUD amendment that was introduced by Supervisor Ingardio was up first. As you may remember, this item was continued last week because the amendments made at that hearing were considered substantive. 
During the hearing, Supervisor Peskin raised concerns about the amendment that would reduce the ownership requirement to one year if the property includes two or more units. He requested that the existing ownership requirements be retained, and those existing ownership requirements are five years for properties with two or more dwellings and one year for those with one or fewer dwellings. Staff tried to address Supervisor Peskin's concerns by noting that this amendment is meant to mirror the same provision that has already passed in the Housing Constraints Reduction Ordinance. There were three public comments, most of them were to state confusion surrounding the different pieces of competing legislation and the lack of outreach. After taking public comment, the item was continued to the February 26th hearing. Next was Supervisor Peskin's state-mandated ADU controls. This ordinance is the duplicated version of the original file. The, that duplication happened at last week's hearing, and then the duplicate was continued to this week's hearing to give the city attorney time to draft Supervisor Peskin's amendments. This duplicated file would make changes to the state ADU program in order to incentivize the local ADU program. Uh, those three specific amendments include, one, retaining the two ADU limit on hybrid ADUs, which I should note is going against HGD's October 2023 letter. Uh, the second is amending the state ADU program to also apply the objective architectural review standards to listed and previously determined eligible California Register Historic Resources. And the third is amending the review timeline for the local ADU program uh, to 60 days from 120 days. Those amendments were adopted unanimously and the item was continued to the call of the chair. Next up is uh, the mayor and supervisor Melgar's ordinance that would make residential density in our NCDs, RTO and RCs outside of our priority equity geographies form based. This item was back at land use after a two week continuance. At the hearing, both Supervisor Peskin and Supervisor Preston stated that they had requested amendments that were still being drafted by the city attorney. Supervisor Peskin said that he was concerned about the severity of heights that projects could potentially achieve under form-based density when coupled with state density bonus programs. As such, his proposed amendments would not allow the parcels subject to this ordinance that use form-based density to also utilize state density bonus. Supervisor Preston is concerned that form-based density without additional affordability requirements is a giveaway to developers. As such, he requested that the city attorney draft amendments to sunset form-based zoning in the areas proposed under the ordinance after a period of three years with the possibility that form-based zoning could be renewed by the board in three years if inclusionary rates are also raised to an appropriate percentage. After these two concepts were introduced, Chair Melgar suggested that the item be continued until March 4th to give both the city attorney time to draft these amendments and the supervisors to talk to constituents about these amendment concepts. That continuance to Mar March 4th passed unanimously. Lastly, at Land Use Committee this week, we had Supervisor Peskin's ordinance that would reinstate numeric density controls in the downtown and eastern waterfronts C2 zoning districts. You heard this item on January 28th and voted to make two modifications. The first was to limit the ordinance to demo new construction projects in the Jackson Square and Northeast Waterfront Historic Districts. And the second was to exempt projects utilizing the Office to Residential Adaptive Reuse Program in these districts from numeric density controls. Supervisor Peskin made amendments that were in line with the spirit of the commission's recommendations. Um, he also made one additional amendment and that was to extend numeric density controls to a set of parcels that are in an area that is considered eligible to be added to the Jackson Square Historic District. Chair Melgar stated that although she understands this ordinance is not running afoul of our obligations under the housing element, she is philosophically opposed to the idea of exempting historic districts from form-based controls, while much of our other well-resourced neighborhoods will be converting to form-based controls. 
She noted that the areas proposed to revert to numeric controls are not priority equity, nor are they environmental justice geographies. Uh, she feared that this may set a dangerous precedent for other historic districts or areas that are seeking to become historic districts to get out of their obligation to accommodate for new housing. Supervisor Peskin responded by stating that it was never his intention to allow heights in this part of the city to be as high as they can be, which can now be accomplished um, given the new amendments to the state density bonus law. He is hoping that reverting numeric density to numeric density in these districts will prevent large towers along the waterfront and in Jackson Square. After taking public comment where there were two speakers in opposition to the ordinance and one in favor, the committee voted unanimously to adopt Supervisor Peskin's amendments. They then voted two to one to send the item as amended with a positive recommendation to the full board. Supervisors Peskin and Preston voted in favor and Chair, Mar Chair Melgar was opposed. We're almost done. At the full board this week, the code corrections ordinance passed its final read and the downtown rail extension fee waiver passed its first read. That's the conclusion of the board report. Thank you. Thank you. I do not see the zoning administrator here to give you a report. So we can move on to general public comment at this time. Members of the public may address the commission and items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission except agenda items. With respect to agenda items, your opportunity to address the commission will be afforded when the item is reached in the meeting. When the number of speakers exceed the 15-minute limit, general public comment may be moved to the end of the agenda. Uh, good afternoon, Commissioners. Tom Radulovich with Livable City. Yeah, here to talk a little bit more about why um, I think you should plan the city. Um, I, I've talked before about this, but uh, you know, land use planning and transportation planning are two sides of the same coin, and hopefully you're with me on that. Like, if you're not considering the one, then you're really not going to get the other one right. Um, so, um, you might say, well, we're doing the land use planning, and other folks are going to do the transportation planning. So, what's the problem? I would argue you're not actually doing land use planning. Um, you have a lot of controls around land use, but it's not a plan. Um, and I'd also point out that the other agencies that you think might do transportation planning in the city aren't doing it. Um, we don't have a plan for our transit system. We don't have a plan for our rail system. We don't have a plan for our bus system. I mean, MTA you know, runs the systems. They're incrementally improving them. Um, both of those are big jobs, but there's no plan. Um, and nor would it make a whole lot of sense for them to invest in a big plan until they know what's happening land use wise. So for example, if you up zone the west side to build 100,000 units out there, they need to know that, right? That needs to be in their planning horizon as they're considering how much capacity we're gonna need, what routes are people going to take, and that sort of thing. So uh, they're not doing transportation planning. Uh, other big public realm agency, public works department, they don't plan either. I mean, they do projects, uh, and they maintain the public right-of-way. Again, both of those big jobs, and they do those pretty well. Uh, but they do not plan. Um, nobody in there, there's no plan for streetscape. Uh, there's no plan for greening the city. There's no plan for any of those things. Nobody, uh, there are very few people even called a planner. There's no function called planning in the public works department. So on the transportation side, the public realm side, no planning is happening. Over here, land use planning isn't happening in the way that it should. Um, so what do you need to be thinking about? One is, you know, what do you actually need to plan? I think there's an argument, you know, kind of coming from Jane Jacobs, you can let uses mix more than we have in the past. We can be a little more liberal. Mixing uses can be good. Um, maybe uses should be innocent until proven guilty instead of the other way around. So um, 
These make, can make neighborhoods more walkable, more economically diverse, and so on. But there's a few big things you need to plan. One of them, I think, is where you locate offices. There's a lot of data around this. People don't walk very far on the work end of a transit trip. Uh, the data shows that the transit ridership drops off about 1% every 100 feet. So if you really want to have transit-served office, you need to cluster it pretty closely around good quality regional uh, public transportation. We're not doing that. I mean, we have a lot of that done historically. A lot of million square feet of office or something like that empty downtown. You also have hundreds of thousands of square feet of office in really transit poor areas of the city, you know, executive park, shipstick, etc. that's in the pipeline. So thinking about being a little more disciplined about where you permit office, I think is one of the keys to getting this transportation and land use balance right. So as you do your land use element, which I hope I've convinced you to do, uh, think about locations of office as one of the key things that you do need to control. Thanks. Hi, good afternoon, Georgia Shudish. Um, on my February 12th email, I wanted to focus on the ongoing reverberations from the fact that the Section 317 demo calcs have never been adjusted as the Commission has the legislative authority to do under Section 317B2D. The Commission will deal with the demo calc issue for the Valley Street project next week. But the other four in the email, all recently on the market, three of them multiple times within the past decade, reflect the ongoing reverberations from never adjusting the demo calcs in the past decade. And this has implications for the two new citywide SUDs. Section 317 and the demo calcs are still in the planning code, as is the Commission's legislative authority to adjust them. I am particularly concerned with the Priority Equity Geographies SUD. It seemed that the underlying intent was to protect these neighborhoods and shift development to the Family Housing Opportunity SUD. Here is an anecdote from when I was in the open house for the alteration project that is selling for $8.5 million. I heard one real estate agent tell another that the only properties that could sell were single-family homes, not multi-units. And that actually lines up with the 2020 feasibility studies on multifamily housing from Century Urban. So there may be even greater incentive to bypass the commission and get a ministerial review as an alteration than ever before, particularly in the PEGs and even on the west side. And then there is the whole issue of the second unit, whether it's added or it's a UDU existing, which is in my email examples. And I don't have time to get into it, but I'm sure the commission is not naive and understands the issues. What was the intent of Section 317 tantamount to demolition values? It was to prevent alterations from turning into demolitions because Building Code Section 103A.3.2 was being skirted around and supposedly simple remodels became a ruse. So Section 317 was conceived to allow for reasonable remodels if a family needed more space, but prevent the demolition of sound, relatively affordable, financially accessible housing. Staff has said adjusting the calcs would just cause speculators to go up to the edge of any new threshold if the values were reduced. And I think that's great because if that happened, less of the structure will be removed and more will be retained and there won't be outcomes like the outcomes outlined in the February 12th email that I hope the commissioners and the staff had the opportunity to look at. And here's my 150 words for the minutes. 
and I gave Director Hillis an article from the Wall Street Journal that I think should be of interest to all of you that relates to the speculation that may be going on now for the, from the past 10 years and the next 10 years. Thank you very much. If there are no other members of the public in the chambers, we'll go to our reasonable accommodations requester. Uh, this is Sue Hester. I want to have the Planning Commission really think through with the noon start time. Today's meeting is not online, uh, not on the place you can see it on TV because there is a rec park meeting that goes on. There's been a couple instances in the past, relatively recent past, where the meeting before you goes on past noon, and they keep going. So Planning Commission has power to adjourn, pardon me, amend its own start time. And I sincerely ask you to do that so people can watch and participate in the Planning Commission meeting remotely without accessing a code like I did to listen to it online, on the phone, pardon me. Thank you very much. Bye. Okay, last call for general public comment. Seeing none, general public comment is closed, and we can move on to your regular calendar, commissioners. Uh, and the only item under your regular calendar is items two R, items two A and B, for case numbers twenty twenty three hyphen zero zero four four eight six SHD and CUA for the property at thirty Otis Street for your consideration to adopt shadow findings and the conditional use authorization. Commissioners, before Lizzie comes up, I just wanted to introduce her because it's her first time at the commission or actually hearing an item. I think you've had 14 projects at the commission, but it's the first one that's been pulled off consent. So Lizzie Mao joined us this past April. She's working in our District 6 development review team um, before joining the department, she was an assistant planner at Urban Planning Partners, where she worked on local housing elements, housing policy implementation, and worked on community outreach for the second Trans Bay Crossing. She has a BS in environmental studies from UC Santa Barbara. So welcome, Lizzie. Welcome to the hearing chambers. Thank you. We got time till we can give her half an hour for open mic. So it's a short calendar. <laughs> Good afternoon, commissioners, Lizzie Mao, planning department staff. The project before you includes the installation of a new dish wireless macro wireless telecommunications services facility consisting of three new antennas screened within two radium covers that have a maximum height of 42 inches and ancillary equipment screened within an eight foot tall enclosure. The proposed wireless telecommunications facility will be located on the rooftop of the existing 26-story mixed-use building at the northwest corner of Otis and 12th Street. The existing building contains 2,200 square feet of retail space, 16,000 square feet of arts activities, and a theater for the city ballet school, and 416 dwelling units, and was completed in 2021. The proposed project would result in new shadow on the proposed 11th and Natoma Park under the jurisdiction of the Recreation and Parks Department, increasing the shadow load by 0.003% above current levels, 
increasing the theoretically available annual sunlight to 23.265%. In order for the project to proceed, the commission, with the recommendation of the Recreation and Parks Commission, must grant an adoption of shadow findings that the shadow on the proposed 11th and Natoma Park would not be significant or adverse to the use of the park pursuant to the Planning Code Section 295. Additionally, the commission must grant conditional use authorization for a wireless telecommunications facility taller than 25 feet above roof grade or height pursuant to planning code sections 210.2 and 303. The department finds that the project is on balance consistent with the market and Octavia area plan, downtown area plan, and the objectives and policies of the general plan. The proposed facility will enhance the area's public safety infrastructure by providing improved wireless telecommunication services to the surrounding neighborhood at all times, as well as during natural disasters or other emergencies. The department also finds the project to be necessary, desirable, and compatible with the surrounding neighborhood and not to be detrimental to the persons or adjacent properties in the vicinity. Staff recommends approval with conditions, and that concludes my presentation, and I am available for questions. Thank you, project sponsor. You have five minutes. No? Yep. Okay. Um, with that, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this item. Again, you need to come forward. Seeing none, public comment is closed. This matter is now before you, commissioners. Commissioner Imperial. Thank you. Um, I have a question to the staff since the project sponsor is not here. Um, the planning staff, yeah. Yeah, and the project sponsor is here. He oh, just doesn't have a presentation for you guys today. Okay, maybe I'll ask the question to the okay. project sponsor. Where is the project sponsor? So Thank my you. question to you is, uh, have you explored any parts of the building or on the rooftop aside from that, aside on top of that, um, I believe there is that um, structure already on top where you gotta put the antenna. Have you explored in other parts of on that area as well where it can be put otherwise? Sure, and I'm Eric Lance, uh, product sponsor representing uh, Dish Wireless on this application. Yes. Um, that would have been a preferred option for, for a dish as well. The building is unique. There's some publicly occupied areas on the roof. There's an atrium. There's a very large window washing equipment. There's a, a permanent crane on the roof that's for, for window washing. The way the way the planning code is, and the reason why we're here is because we're exceeding this height limit in this commercial zone district by over 25 feet. If we were to have you know, facade mounted, screened somewhere below that parapet, the, uh, the exceptions in the code would have allowed this as, as like a building permit. Mm -hmm. So we did explore those, um, those options. It, it resulted in um, us really having, the only location would, would have been the upper rooftop. The upper rooftop. And mm -hmm. on the other parts of it that will be, because the size of this, my, my goal is to, the reason why I take it off in the consent, because the, the future impact it will have on the 11th and Atoma Park, it's actually, it's, um, it's going, as it is going to have an impact on the children's playground, mm -hmm. uh, which is around in the, I believe in the spring. Um, and even though it's minimal, it's 
0.03%. Um, but this is going to be a future park in this area as well. And um, so I'm trying to see if there's a way to mitigate that impact um, or to minimize the impact of shadow perhaps on the other area of the rooftop as well. Um, sure. Um, the original proposal that we did submit included a screening around the entire upper penthouse, mm -hmm. which would have been an eight-foot wall on the entire penthouse, and, and we've re reduced that that screening to just encapsulating the, the equipment area, which is the or base station, the cabinets, in the center of that rooftop, and then the antennas, there'll be just two uh, radomes, we call them radomes, they're the cylinders, circle cylinders, so the antennas would be within those radomes on on two sides of that upper rooftop. So going from an eight foot tall parapet extension, that would be, I don't have the exact dimensions of it, but it was a pretty large wall that would have screened yeah. everything, including all the existing equipment that's on the roof already, like there's satellite dishes and maybe some HVAC equipment. Um, we reduced that to the two radomes and then put the equipment right in the middle of the roof so it's less visible, but also would project less of a shadow. Um, will that project a less shadow on the, on the, on the, on the, that one, the, the initial proposal? Yeah, so the, the shadow study was run off the, the reduced design, so that 0.003% mm -hmm. is, is, is in addition to what the building is already going to yeah. cast on that, and that, um, that occurs, uh, late afternoon in the winter after 4.30 p.m., that's the, kind of peak time, mm -hmm. yeah. that point zero zero three would be that, that time of the year. I'm wondering what the planning staff, um, you know, um, point of view in terms of the initial recommendation or initial um, proposal that they, they did um, on this. Sure, Lizzie Mao, planning staff. So yeah, Eric is correct. They initially proposed an eight foot tall enclosure surrounding the entire mechanical penthouse. Um, their shadow consultant, FastCast, did conduct an analysis of that initial proposal. And so that would have cast 0.01% of shadow on the park. And so their reduced massing has actually significantly decreased the amount of shadow cast to again, 0.003% of shadow, so we did request for them to reduce their massing and they did significantly reduce um, the massing as much as they could based on the equipment that they're putting up there. Okay, so. And I was just gonna add on to that, I think an important um, factor is this did go to the Rec Park Commission. Um, the shadow that's cast um, is again after 4.30 in the winter. I think all of us who live here practically speaking know that there's not much sunshine usually after 4.30 in the winter months. Um, but the Rec Park Commission had no concerns about um, the impact. They were almost a little perplexed why it was before them. Um, and so I think based in their recommendation on the sort of de minimis amount of shadow and I think importantly the time of day and the time of year that the shadow is cast, I think all of those things coupled with I think the great work that staff did to work with the sponsor to reduce the shadow impact from the original proposal, sort of couple our recommendation for approval. Um, I understand. And, you know, I, I mean, I do not have issue with the wireless telecommunication system. My only goal is to minimize the future impact of this park. And even though it's, you know, whether it's, you know, if it's, if the initial proposal was just 0.001, then 
that would be, I would prefer that than 0 0.003. I, I think you misunderstand it was 0 0.01 0 .0. versus 0 0.003. So this okay. is dramatically less than what the original was. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that clarification. Um, okay, um, thank you. It looks like it has been explored. Um, I just wanna make that emphasis that this will be a future park and that um, even though the winter, the winter area, the winter time I mean, sunsets around 5 p.m., but it's still an important time, if, especially if this is going to be for children's playground. So I know that they did the due diligence, and I'm willing to go and approve this. Vice President Moore. I have only one additional question. Were other buildings uh, explored uh, to locate this particular equipment? Hello, Lizzie Mao, planning staff. Um, yes, uh, all wireless telecommunications facility have an alternate sites location plan, so five other locations were analyzed and they either declined um, having the facility there or did not respond. Well, the real concern is as we are trying to build out the hub with this building is a piece, uh, we will have to look perhaps more carefully at uh, which buildings will be casting shadow on this type of a park, uh, particularly as a public park, uh, I assume it's under the jurisdiction of Park and Rec, uh, uh, will require additional protection. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think you raising the question here would just basically <coughs> send a message back to staff and to planning that future buildings who will try to further reduce uh, sunlight on this park is, is going to be critical. So that was... Commissioner Braun. I just want to say thank you to Commissioner Imperial for bringing this up. Um, and it's not often that we get a new public park in the city. And so uh, wanting to protect and have a very careful oversight of any new shadows cast on this park, uh, I'm in full favor of that. Uh, given that it's only a 0.003% increase in shadow load, uh, I am not particularly concerned, especially with the recommendation from the Parks Commission, so I move to approve. Second. There's nothing further, Commissioners. There's a motion that has been seconded to um, adopt shadow findings and approve <coughs> with conditions on that motion. Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. Commission President Diamond? Aye. So move, commissioners. That motion passes unanimously, five to zero. Placing us under your discretionary review calendar for item nine, case number 2021-009470-DRP for the property at 4820 Anza Street, a discretionary review. Hi, good afternoon, Commissioners. David Winslow, Staff Architect. The item before you today is a public-initiated request for discretionary review of building permit application number 2021.0830.7438 to construct a two-story vertical addition to a two-story single-family home. Uh, the existing building is a Category C, uh, no historic resource, built in 1924. To date, the department has received 
two letters supporting and three letters opposing the project. The DR requester, Deborah Hawley, on behalf of Rita and Eugene Katz of 587 39th Avenue, the residents of the adjacent house to the east, is concerned that the project does not comply with the residential design guidelines related to building scale at the rear and the front, uh, topography and privacy and light and air impacts. Their proposed alternatives are to eliminate the fourth story and to eliminate the rear roof deck. Staff generally supports the project as it is code complying and meets the residential design guidelines. This is a key lot in relation to the houses that front 49, uh, 39th Avenue. Staff design review initially recommended the removal of the fourth floor to comply with the residential design guideline, design the height and depth of the building to be compatible with the existing building scale at the mid-block open space. The addition was ultimately revised to significantly reduce the massing at the rear by setting the third and fourth story back 16 feet from the rear wall. The stair enclosure along the uh, east wall was also shaped to reduce its massing. The roof deck was also reduced by several feet in the front. Um, the fourth story addition aligns with the rear wall of the immediate neighbor to the west. Because of the upsloping terrain, the addition is three stories above grade and therefore steps up with the topography. This is similar in height to the adjacent neighbor, DR requester's three-story building, and I uh, amend that in the report. It was described as a four-story building. The DR requester's building is a three-story building to the east at 39th Avenue and several other buildings on 39th Avenue to the north. Based on these factors, subsequent review deemed the size and location of the third and fourth story to be an appropriate design response. And I would like to add for clarity that the review matrix that tracks our uh, iterative uh, re recommendations and the project sponsors' uh, responses to those iterations was not modified to reflect the compliance that we ultimately got to, um, as um, just to, to avoid some confusion, it was a clerical error on my part. Um, Additionally, due to the high parapets on adjacent buildings, the third story addition at the street appears only a half a story higher and was found to be compatible with that existing um, scale, prevailing scale of two-story buildings along Anza. There is a deck proposed over the existing one-story portion of the building at the rear. That deck extends uh, to the shared property line with the DR requester. The height of the solid fire-rated parapet for the deck, along with the unnecessary potential for conflicts from the deck to impose on uh, privacy impacts is exceptional. Therefore, staff deems that is an exceptional and extraordinary circumstance and recommends taking discretionary review uh, and approving with a rear deck set back five feet from property lines and removing the solid parapet wall above the roof level. Thank you. Thank you. If that concludes staff presentation, we should hear from the DR requester. You have five minutes. Hi, I'm Rita Katz, and this is my husband, Eugene Katz. We're first-generation immigrants, and I've lived majority of my life in San Francisco. I'm a Lincoln graduate and a San Francisco State graduate. I run a small business in San Francisco for the past 15 years. We purchased our home in 2009 and spent five years, evenings and weekends, rebuilding it. And we're proud parents of three babies who were also born in San Francisco. 
Good afternoon. Thank you for the opportunity to present here. Eugene Katz, I'm a resident of San Francisco for over 20 years. Um, why are we here today? Um, it's two points. One is we're speaking up for the neighborhood and we're speaking up for the neighbors. We're speaking up for the multi-generational neighborhood, multicultural neighborhood. Um, folks who can't speak up for themselves. Uh, we're here to protect the look and feel of the 100-year-old neighborhood that we love. Um, we support and believe that Mr. Caputo and his family um, have the right to build their dream home. Uh, we just ask that it is done with consideration to the neighborhoods and to the neighbors. And in that spirit, we have proposed a solution where some of this, where the same square footage is achieved by eliminating the fourth uh, story in consideration with the neighborhood and the neighbors. It can be done, it can be accomplished. We did that with our 2,700 square foot home that we took five years to remodel without impact to any of our neighbors or the look and feel of the neighborhood. Thank you. Can we have the overhead, please? Good afternoon. SF Sorry, SFGov, can oh. we go to the overhead? Good afternoon, President Diamond, Vice President Moore, and Commissioners. Deborah Hawley on behalf of the Katzes. We agree with Mr. Winslow's recommendation that this project, uh, you should take DR because this project presents exceptional or extraordinary circumstances. Um, where we differ is that we are requesting the one additional modification, remove the fourth floor. We understand the need to accommodate the project sponsors aging families. Um, however, they don't need to have a 4,500 square foot uh, house to be able to live together. As shown in uh, the slide, most of the single family homes in the neighborhood are quite modest in size, about uh, 1,500 square feet, two stories like the uh, project sponsors home. Uh, the project would triple the size of the existing home. Uh, while there are a few uh, four-story buildings in the neighborhood, as shown in this slide, um, they, they are multifamily units. They contain two to 18 units. But again, the scale is mostly two-story uh, homes. Planning department staff got it right the first two times they reviewed the design and told the project sponsors to remove the fourth floor from the project. Quote, the fourth floor addition is out of scale with the context and would have substantial impacts to surrounding properties. Design review recommends that the fourth floor be removed un entirely, unquote. Unfortunately, this direction was reversed after one meeting with senior staff where it was decided they could keep the fourth floor. What we are asking for is the fourth floor, which contains just an office and a bathroom, be relocated uh, to another location in the house. For example, the ground floor has an entertainment uh, room behind the garage. They could move that office to the entertainment room location, and they'd have privacy. Um, this seems like a reasonable compromise to us. They could still have a 4,000 square foot plus home 
larger than any other single family home in the area. Um, the project sponsors have tried to justify adding the four stories, citing the others in the neighborhood, including the building at 579 to 581 39th Avenue, shown in the slide. However, this is a false comparison. First, this building is 24 feet, nine inches high at the street with a partially below grade ground floor and 28 and a half feet on the other sides of the building. Uh, this compares with 36 feet Thank for the you, proposed that, that, that project. Thank you, And it contains two dwelling units. Thank you. Project Thank sponsor, you. you have five minutes. Good afternoon, commissioners. Thank you very much for being here today. Uh, it's a short calendar, and I, I appreciate your uh, uh, understanding of the importance of a project like this to a family like um, um, Mr. Caputo and Mr. Granis. Um, I'm going to go to the overhead uh, to the computer. Many things about the discretionary review process are changing. Many of the uh, criteria that we use to evaluate um, what's appropriate development is changing. But the basic gist of the process isn't changing very much, hasn't changed very much at all. Um, I remember my first matter like this before the Planning Commission was more than 30 years ago, and the president of the commission at the time, Sidney Yunovsky, said that this is not about uh, we're no longer keeping up with the Joneses. We're using this process to keep down the Joneses. And that, that comment of, of President Yunovsky's at the time has stuck with me. Um, if we can go to the over, overhead, you can see where the uh, red X is. Uh, that's the um, DR requester's home. And the um, green uh, zero, uh, O, is the project site. Um, when the project is finished, the, the DR requester's home will still be uh, five feet or more higher at its highest point than um, the project site will be at its highest point. Um, although they're asking for us to give up an important design component of a code-complying project, they're not giving us any reason why this is going to benefit any of the surrounding properties as a result. Um, I think that that's what uh, President Yunovsky was driving at 30 years ago, that as if we're going to take DR in code-complying projects, we should be looking at what the actual impacts of that are and whether the code was conceived correctly to, to allow that type of development. Um, as you can see, Looking up this block, there are many of the houses are of similar mass and height um, to where the red X is. And as I said, our, the, the project when completed will be um, below that, the height of that property. Uh, I'll go to the next slide. Go to the next slide. Um, 
you can see uh, you, you have this material in front of you. This, these are the alterations that have been made to the project, reductions that have been made in size and scale. Uh, since we've been working with design review, I want to thank um, the case planner for her diligence in getting the best project possible designed here uh, that will meet the needs of the family. Um, we have entirely removed the addition at that rear portion of the of the lot where it's you see the the, the red hatching. Um, we agree with um, Mr. Um, Winslow's. Excuse me for a second. We agree with Mr. Winslow's uh, a conclusion about the deck that setting back that deck at the rear property line, uh, uh, the side property line with the DR requester um, and the other 39th Avenue um, lots is appropriate. It will make this a better project for everyone concerned. We'll avoid any um, interruption in privacy that might develop if we were right up to the uh, property line. So we're going to set that back five feet uh, whether or not this board, uh, uh, this commission decides to take DR and require it. Um, this is a rendering of what we're proposing. It's very typical of the kind of thing we, we're seeing now in, in the Richmond district. This meets the needs of this family, and I would encourage you to support code compliant projects like this. Um, uh, Louis Caputo has been in this house for more than 30 years and he wishes to stay in this house, and he wishes for his family to be with him in this family, in, in this house as he ages. I think that that's, there's nothing better that we can do with older homes than to allow them to be adapted for aging in place. Thank you very much. Okay, members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. Uh, you'll each have two minutes. Again, you need to come forward and line up on the screen side of the room. Come on up, sir. I can start? You may. Um, with all due respect to Jeremy Paul and the owners of the property, this project is all about land use gluttony and playing the zoning code to the maximum extent possible. This project should be rejected out of hand. I've done a public records request. The commission asked this project be scaled back in December 2021. Three months later, the proponents came back and said no, a position they maintain today, the scale back being the one floor eliminated totally. This block, a brief walk down the block, are all single family homes, counting the garage, two stories. If you live next door, commissioners, to this proposed project, how would you feel? This project is totally out of scope. The proponents know it. The project is out of scope to the current housing in the neighborhood, particularly on the block between 39th and 40th Avenue, where my wife and I raised two children and have lived the past 40 years. This project should be sent back to the people who want to move forward with it, and it should be redone in total. Thank you. 
Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Terrence Allen, and I am not going to speak about the project. I'm going to speak about the people who are proposing the project. I am the most recent past president of the Castro Merchants. I led the Castro Merchants through the pandemic, and in the Castro is a large nightclub, the cafe. And the cafe is managed by the gentleman who is bringing this project forward to you. It is very important to the community that we recognize the quality of people that are inhabiting the businesses that we have in our neighborhoods and take that quality of person and bring them to their homes and extend to them the courtesy that they've extended to the neighborhoods throughout the time that they have been managing their businesses. When we started a program that was called the safety program, Lewis opened up the nightclub and said, bring people in and teach us how to be safe. He was one of the few five nightclubs that said, bring people in and teach us how to be safe. Why was that so important? Because we were in a bit of a turmoil at that point, and he allowed us to do that. That's the kind of gentleman that is there. That's the kind of neighbor that we want. I would think that the neighbors surrounding him would want him, would want him and his family, and would applaud his bringing his extended family into the neighborhood. That's what I think we have to take into consideration since we already have a code-compliant project in front of you. Remember, it's the people that live there at the end of the day that matter. Thank you. Hello. I'm here to read this letter from their next-door neighbor in support of the project. Dear Honorable Members of the Discretionary Review Committee, my name is Og Sune, and I reside at 4826 Anza Street. I am the next-door neighbor to Louis Caputo and Jeffrey Granis, <coughs> and our homes physically touch. I'm writing to express my support for Louis and Jeffrey's home remodel, 4820 Anza Street, 2021-009470-DRP. They have been open and forthright with me about their project since our homes have a physical connection, and I think this remodel will be a great addition to the neighborhood. Okay, last call for public comment. Seeing none, public comment is closed and we can go to rebuttals. DR requester, you have a two minute rebuttal. Can I have the overhead, please? Okay, first I just wanted to show the uh, 39th Avenue. As you can see, it's sloped just to see those buildings um, around the corner from another perspective. Second, um, I wanted to finish my presentation. Um, the existing sunlight to the Katz's backyard and rear windows would be blocked by the project. The neighbors requested a shadow study from the project sponsor, but received no response. However, given that the proposed vertical and horizontal extension that you can see in red there um, is adjacent to the southwest 
and the cat's home, it's reasonable um, to expect that such uh, light and shadow impacts would result from the project. Um, again, the planning department had it right when they asked the project sponsors to entirely remove the fourth floor from the plans. Would still provide them with a large home, um, but also making sure that the impacts on the neighbors are reduced and the prevailing neighborhood massing is reduced and um, is respected, I'm sorry, and maintained. And um, do, do you want to? Uh, and and I, I know the neighbors are welcoming uh, past history, they've had a good relationship. Uh, Eugene and Rita want them to have, uh, be able to live with their parents. Yeah, I'm happy to add to that. Um, family is extremely important to us, as, as my wife mentioned. We're first-generation immigrants. And um, it, it is about family values. It is about the neighborhood. It is about ensuring that our neighbors have the best quality of life that they possibly can. The only ask is that it's done within the boundaries of the neighborhood within the respectable way of doing it. Um, thank you. Thank you, project sponsor. You have a two-minute rebuttal. Thank you, Jonas. Jeremy Paul for Louis Caputo and Jeffrey Granis. Um, going to the overhead, the um, letter that you that was read into the record was uh, from the resident of this home here. The, pro the, the DR requester is the yellow. Speak into the microphone, please. Uh, sorry, is the yellow structure that you can see from the at the rear. Um, the catches. Um, are currently have renters uh, living there. They uh, uh, left, um, I guess, during COVID. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, as a, a renter myself in San Francisco, it's important to have good rental property. Um, but I, I want to point out that the amount of, uh, of shadowing that this structure to the west is going to have on a structure that is largely um, to the north um, is not significant enough to merit altering this project. Um, I think that the uh, planning staff has gotten it right. I think that modifying this rear deck to uh, uh, assure privacy is the, the right way to go. The modifications that have been made from the very beginning have been appropriate and have rendered this to be a better project overall. And I would encourage you not to take DR and to encourage um, this project sponsor to move forward with this application. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, with that, this matter is now before you. So I want to thank all of the uh, people who showed up to testify um, and thank both the project sponsor um, and the DR requester for the time spent um, looking at this project, finding ways to try to accommodate the requests that are being made and time spent with staff. Um, I believe staff has it right and I will be supporting uh, staff's uh, recommendation that we take DR, 
with the conditions listed by Mr. Winslow. Mr. Koppel. So Commissioner moved. Koppel. So moved. Second. <clears throat> Vice President Moore. Uh, I'd like to just put to the record, and that's perhaps encouraging uh, staff architect uh, Winslow to ask for slightly more explanatory drawings from the applicant. The drawings are basically door schedules, et cetera. The drawings themselves are extremely difficult to read. And the one thing in a critical situation like that, what is missing here is indeed a 3D image of how this puzzle fits together. And I'm finding it increasingly uh, more difficult to look at DRs and have the objective type of information that I believe everybody needs to do. I'm quite versed in reading drawings, but the set of drawings is insufficient for me to really properly understand what's needed. Uh, and again, we have uh, submittal guidelines. The 3D part is that clearly indicated in there. And I would encourage us, generically speaking, that we pay more attention to that. Uh, you took it apart in terms of mentioning the uh, elevation differences between uh, the siding of the different buildings that helped, however, to comprehensively understand it in literally 360 degree radius is much, much more difficult. Uh, uh, I like to express my concerns about the size of the building. And while this building does not fall in a, into a height, uh, into a square footage restricted district, it is a family district that allows large, uh, larger units, uh, we are in arch too. And I think as we're moving forward with densification, which everybody is quite concerned about, uh, this would be a candidate where I would like to see two units, even if it's occupied by one family. I'm looking in, into the future where we need to uh, bring more units to the market, and even half of 4,500 4, square feet is still would result in two very positive uh, family units. Uh, did you have the discussion with the applicant as to whether or not there is an ability to uh, render this building with two units, even if it's occupied by one, by one group? Uh, no, I didn't, actually. Um, it's a typical planning department policy. We always try to encourage as many units as possible, but we also are re obligated to react to projects as they come in. And forcing their hands to do something that they weren't initially requesting is kind of a little bit of a tight wire act. Yeah. Um, speaking about impact of a building that is enlarging in an urban context is a difficult discussion. Uh, we have it all around us. We all live in apartment buildings of varying kinds where all of a sudden across the street or diagonally somewhere on the block somebody's adding an addition and something will happen. It will either happen to your front door or to your living room facing the street or it will happen in the back. Uh, I believe that the move of adding a, a further reduction to the rear deck is beneficial to, to separate the outdoor activities and the deck uh, with each other. Um, and uh, I believe that the modifications that have been done based on reviewing the different incremental steps that that project has gone through is, for my um, perspective, enough. I personally do not like the building. I regret that we are not 
adding a little bit more design to residential buildings, but that we are making them more and more look alike. But that is my own personal opinion, which I'm just expressing here together with asking the department to spend more thoughtful time of how we move into really densifying the city when it comes to homes like this. We've got to think about the city differently, otherwise we're all losing it together. Thank you. Commissioner Imperial. Um, I'd like to thank the staff in terms of, you know, trying to modif modifying the project to reduce the, the massing and trying to reduce the impact of it also to the neighbor. Um, just like um, President, uh, Vice President Moore has mentioned, um, in terms of rating, because what I have is the original, you know, the original packet, um, I do find the fourth floor, um, the story, the fourth floor story to be, um, um, I think the, the office, because when you look into the third floor, it's pretty, pretty much a living room and the kitchen and dining, which I think is very huge, that I feel like perhaps the, the other parts on the fourth floor can be, um, again, be put down in the, in the third floor area. Um, so I understand, uh, I guess my, this is my question to you, um, Mr. Winslow, is there a way that, um, and I know you have already reduced the, the, um, the roof deck area, um, on this, um, but is there a way where other, uh, and can you explain in terms of the, the rear um, area on the fourth floor, how is that um, being reduced as well, or is there gonna be any reduction to it? Um. Thank you. So um, I think when the original plans came in, the, uh, the third and fourth floor extended 16 feet and some few inches further back to the rear. Mm -hmm. And we, we and, I, and I also believe, don't have my record here, unfortunately. I also believe it was, ex the fourth story was extending further towards the street. Mm -hmm. But basically we we're most, most concerned with the amount of massing at the rear, four yeah. full stories, and so we recommended reducing it 16 feet and that's where it's landing today, mm -hmm. such that the third and fourth story additions rear wall are lining up basically with the rear wall of the adjacent building to the west on Anza. Um, and that in com combination with the generous front setback of the upper floor of the fourth story, which renders it virtually um, not visible from the street, uh, allowed us to say that this in another mm -hmm relation to the topography allowed us to find that that um, revision to the drawings complied with the guidelines. So, yeah, um, yeah I think you answered. Other questions? I'm sorry if I might have. No, I think yeah. you answered my question. I think what I'm trying to get into is the fourth floor area where is there really a possibility for the necessity of it? Mm. <laughs> I guess that's my, my but, but yeah. I think from what you have um, described in terms of the reduction from the, the rear yard, um, you know, what I'm trying to get here is where the, the reduction on the fourth floor, I think that's where I'm, and I, it seems like that has been what. There's one more thing to add that was reduced and I had neglected it both in my report, I think project sponsor indicated graphically but didn't state it, the height of the fourth story was reduced slightly. Mm -hmm. So now I believe it's ceiling height as in, in these plans is at the um, head height minimum, seven foot six, which um, isn't very tall. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So it was an effort to really scale this thing back in deference to some of those issues. Thank you. Those were my questions. <clears throat> I have another question, yes. Mm -hmm. Vice President, Vice President Moore. Uh, I understand that a motion has been made. I want to make sure that we are taking DR in order to formalize the request of the five-foot uh, setback for the, for the second floor deck from the east. Yes. What's included in the model? Commissioner Brown. So. Commissioner Brown. Also, I, I take it that the motion incorporates staff recommendation about the the parapet as well. Is that right? Okay. Thank you. If there's nothing further, commissioners, there is a motion that has been seconded to take DR and approve with staff modifications on that motion. Commissioner Brown. Aye. <clears throat> Commissioner Imperial. Aye. Commissioner Koppel. Aye. Commissioner Moore. Aye. And Commission President Diamond. Aye. So move, commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero and concludes your hearing today.